Welcome to the Rebel Speaker Podcast, where we break the tried and true presentation rules so that you can create a speech that stands out, makes an impact, and positions you as the go-to expert. And now your host, the instigator of the presentation rebellion, Dr. Michelle Mazur. There is one aspect of speaking that I absolutely cannot help speakers with, and that's the speaking contract. I am not a lawyer, nor do I play one on TV, so I am not comfortable at all consulting with you on what your speaking contract looks like. However, I know that a speaking contract is an essential piece of your speaking business. So while I'm not an attorney, my guest today is. Today, we are lucky to have Christina Scalera, and she is the attorney and founder behind The Contract Shop, a contract template store for creative entrepreneurs, wedding professionals, and coaches, and speakers like you. Three years ago, Christina found herself dreaming of pursuing a more creative path, and she started to look for alternatives to her in-house legal job. She explored everything from teaching yoga to becoming a freelance graphic designer to opening an Etsy shop. And in the process, she ended up coming full circle by creating a business that brought the benefit of her legal training to her fellow creative entrepreneurs. Welcome, Christina, to the Rebel Speaker Podcast. Thanks, Michelle. I'm so excited to talk to you today. I'm so excited to chat with you as well. As we were talking before we started recording, you mentioned that a presentation, a speech put you on this path. So can you tell us a little bit about how you landed here through speaking, no less? (laughs) Sure. I really always wanted to be a public speaker. I wanted to be the person up on stage that people looked up to and took notes and came up to afterwards and said, that was so great. I learned so much. My life has changed in XYZ way. That was always a dream of mine. And it happened a little faster than I was anticipating. (laughs) So I had just kind of figured out what I was going to be doing, really getting more clear on what my business would be, how I was going to mix legal with creative. Lo and behold, this is how the universe works. I was presented with the opportunity to do the first ever webinar that the Rising Tide Society, which is a it's like 70 or 80,000 creatives. Mm-hmm. It's huge. I was their first speaker, their first presenter on this webinar series. So I, bless his heart, Davey was the co-founder. He was doing the webinar series. He asked me, have you ever done a webinar before? The little white lie that I told because I was so embarrassed that I hadn't done a full-fledged, you know, start to finish webinar. I was like, well, I've done presentations to groups. I've done periscopes. I've done like kind of that kind of stuff. So yeah, like I've done that. And he was like, okay, great. Because there's 1900 people that are registered for the webinar this week. (laughs) And I just freaked out. I mean, I had never spoken to a group of 1,900 people. I didn't even have 1,900 Instagram followers. I think the largest group I had ever spoken to at that point was like 20 people, maybe online or in person, Mm -hmm. either way. So when he said that, I was thinking, wow, one, this is a tremendous opportunity that I'm going to completely miss out on if I don't have anything to offer them. And with legal services, it's kind of difficult. You can't really offer that on Mm -hmm. a fast action webinar. The whole (laughs) online marketing thing isn't really geared towards attorneys. Um, In fact, attorneys are really discouraged from creating some fast action offer that can get you in a lot of trouble. (laughs) So I was like, well, 
I have all these templates that I've been using with my own clients and I have this separate LLC that I've been kind of distributing the templates mm -hmm. through. I wonder if anybody would buy them. And they did. <laughs> this was my first experience with understanding how speaking can transform your business because I had always heard stories about people that would make money through their speaking gigs or through webinars. And I was like, yeah, yeah, like that'll happen to them, but mm -hmm. that can't happen for me. I was just completely blown out of the water. It was the worst pitch you've ever heard at the end of the webinar. It was like, <laughs> um, well, thanks for listening. I was very confident in the materials, but then I got very unconfident and I was like, um, so you can go here and you can buy this and thanks. We'll go into Q and A now. I sold $3,500 worth of contract templates that week, previously had sold zero. So, wow. Yeah, that was, that was really validating for me. I won't say that I did a great job to 1,900 people because that's really scary, but <laughs> I did a good job. Well, and I think you're tapping into something because creative entrepreneurs, speakers, business owners, when they start their business, they usually do not have their legal butt covered at <laughs> all. I mean, I know I didn't at first. And then I was like, ooh, you know what might help me? A contract. <laughs> like, I might need one of those in place to make the boundaries of my relationship with people clear. And I don't think there's a lot of people giving that help. So you had like this great topic that people needed. And then they're like, yes, please sign me up. I need you. When I'm in the Rebel Speaker Facebook group or I'm talking with speakers, so many of them do not have their legal butt covered. So why do speakers need a contract? That's a great question, Michelle. The first thing that I recommend any business have before an LLC, before a DBA, before anything that traditional business books will tell you you should do in the first chapter um, is a contract. Because if you don't have money or at least the potential of money, right? Like I know not all speaking gigs are completely paid from the start, but if you don't have any kind of compensation, let's call it coming in, then you don't have a business. You don't have anything to offer to the public, to your audience, mm -hmm. to the following that you're trying to build. It doesn't matter if you, you can have LLCs all day, but if you don't have something that you can exchange for money at some point, that's not a business, which is why a contract is so important on just face value. I think what you're asking about though is about the inside of the contract and the, some of the things that speakers could consider. Um, yes. Some of the things that they're maybe not considering yet. And I've actually put together a list of 10 that I'll give you guys at the end, but there's about three that stand out really, 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 I guess, brightly, like if they were, as if they were highlighted in my mind. And the first one is about compensation. Because compensation, as you've talked about, as you know, is a really sticky issue. Are you going to be paid pure compensation um, just for showing up and you're mm -hmm. in charge of your expenses? Are you not going to be paid, but they will cover your room and board and give you some meals? Is everything being paid for? Is this your complete living? The only way you're making money is through speaking gigs. So there's no right or wrong answer. There's no bright line rule as to what is acceptable and what's not from a legal standpoint. The important thing is just to memorialize that in the contract and have that written down. If somebody says to you, oh yeah, yeah, we'll get to that or we'll make sure that your, your meals are covered. Or, we'll make sure that this happens for you. That's always going into the contract. And if it's happening after the contract is signed, at least in an email, and hopefully your contract provided that an, an amendment could be made by writing and an email is sufficiently a writing. That's what I'm talking about here with compensation. The other thing that we had talked briefly about Ahead of time. And it's funny because this is actually my background. I've always been a trademark attorney. Um, uh -huh. 
is, yeah, is with intellectual property, AKA IP. So I'm just going to call it IP, but it's intellectual property. The big thing here, right, is that we're dealing with a couple different facets of IP law. When you're speaking, you have not only your brand and maybe your branded slides that are showing up on a PowerPoint presentation that feature your logo, your submarks, your catchphrases, whatever it might be. So those are the trademarks that might be displayed during this presentation. But the actual presentation itself is protected under copyright law. Mm. As soon as it is either given and recorded, so the recording is the important part, or you have fixed the presentation to the slides or some kind of writing, you've written an outline for yourself, you've oh. put them into the slides, whatever it is, as long as basically there's, there's something that you can hand to somebody else is kind of the rule of thumb. That's when the copyright is now attached. And in your contract, again, it's not good or bad or different or whatever. If you own the copyright or the event that's hosting the workshop or the, the speaking event that you're speaking at, it doesn't matter who owns that necessarily from a legal perspective. There's not one that's better than the other. But from you, from your speaker perspective, there is something that's better than the other, namely that if you don't have the right to your own presentation, are you going to forfeit the ability to give it in the future? Are you forfeiting the ability if they're recording the event to show a clip of that in maybe a promo trailer for your brand or your company or a product mm -hmm. you're offering? Taking into consideration as you're crafting this contract, taking into consideration the copyright and who will actually hold that is really important for you to at least think about. So when you're getting started, you may be totally fine with signing on the dotted line and giving away all your copyrights to everything because you just want to get your name out there. Well, I wouldn't recommend that per se. No. Um, there's a lot of wiggle room there. And so I won't get super deep into it. The guide that I, I'm going to give you guys at the end goes a little bit deeper into this if you have more questions, but there's a lot of wiggle room that you can have here. You can keep the copyright and you can license it to the person. So it's kind of like, when you rent a room mm. in a house, you're like renting them that room. So you're still owning the house. You're just renting them that room until, you know, you say, get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I just wanted to highlight, because yeah. I think you brought up so many important parts about intellectual property and copyright that speakers get your PowerPoint together, record yourself doing the talk so that you have that record. Because when you said that's what creates copyright, I'm like, oh, so we have to have that basically have the speech documented. And I think you were also, if you're relying on an organization to give you the contract, that you have to check that who owns the copyright part, because all of, of a sudden, the speech that you've been giving for a couple of years might not be your own. So I was just like, two very important points, speakers, <laughs> record yourself and always understand who owns the copyright of your speech. You brought up a good point in that most of what I do actually is getting the two sides to each agreement to a happy place together. But this is one of the areas where there can be some contention. So a lot of people see attorneys on TV, they think we're really adversarial that, you know, it's like one side versus the other. But in contracts, it's not really that way. Like you both have a common goal. It's just a matter of figuring out how you're going to get there. It's kind of like meeting a friend for lunch. You guys both want to meet at the same restaurant, but one of you is going to take Uber and one of you is going to have a friend drop you off or something. So you're both getting to the same restaurant. You're both getting to the same goal. You just are trying to figure out the best way to get there that fits with you and, and your schedule, your needs. So 
with the copyright, exactly, looking really carefully, especially if the organization has provided the agreement to you. Because again, we have to think about it from our best interest versus theirs. And our friend might be like, no, 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 you should totally come with me. We'll pick you up. And you're like, no, I have to take Uber. So your (laughs) interests are kind of in conflict in that, again, moving towards that common goal, but you just need to look and see like, are they trying to keep the copyright? And I actually would really enjoy using this presentation again, or I would enjoy having a video of my own of this presentation where I can then use it for future speaking pitches or something like that. So just being mindful that just because they're a great organization or they have a philanthropic message or they're just wonderful people or you've known them since third grade, like whatever it is, it doesn't matter if the copyright provision in that contract isn't written in a way that benefits you in whatever benefit you are looking for. That's just something I'm glad you highlighted that, Michelle. Yeah, I could talk about this all day. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love it. So we've talked about compensation and we've talked about copyright. So what is the third essential thing you were going to talk about as far as speaking contracts? The third essential thing I would say is that there's a lot more room for negotiation than you think there is. It's interesting because we get a contract and the traditional place that we see this is if you think back to your college days, we got a lease agreement for an apartment. If you're anything like me, it came from some big box corporation that had apartments all over the country and this was just one of them. It was really interesting because even back then, I remember getting this and being so scared and looking at this in college and saying, oh my gosh, I can't change anything. Well... (laughs) Lo and behold, I went through and I crossed out things that weren't beneficial for me, things that I didn't like. And I went back in and I talked to the leasing agent and the leasing agent who had authority to sign the contract on behalf of their company said, okay, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's not okay. So I was able to negotiate what I really needed, what I really Mm. wanted, because we take it for granted that they're like the big dog, right? Like this organization knows what they're doing. They do this all the time. They've got XYZ, who's the other speaker in here, and I want to be like them. And we just kind of sometimes sweep it under the rug that we're not worthy of the changes or the negotiations Mm. that we could make. There's no reason not to present that. They are asking you to be a speaker for a certain reason. I have never seen a situation where someone's like, whoa, you just have way too many changes and you're being a total diva because I don't think most of the people that are listening are like that. This is like really reasonable stuff that you can ask for. Things like money, things like a place to set up, things like a projector, things like licensing, right? Like keeping Mm -hmm. the copyright to your own presentation. That's something reasonable to ask for, especially if, and this is the key point to any kind of contract negotiation, especially if you can frame it in a way that is or feels beneficial to the organizer. So, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, I'm going to record this presentation and I'll give it to you afterwards. And then you guys can use that for promotional materials, but I'm going to keep it. So now they have something that they maybe otherwise wouldn't have had because they don't have a videographer and you get to keep the copyright to your presentation and you have this video that you can use for future pitches. So thinking about negotiations in a way, thinking about how it will benefit the other person or party or organization that's approaching Mm -hmm. you or giving you the contract and just really kind of driving that home if they do have any kind of problem with the negotiation is always a good tactic to use when you're looking at these contracts together. I love that because I think a lot of speakers actually feel negotiation ends after they figure out what the fee is or, (laughs) you know, whatever the compensation. It's like, okay, we figured out what the scope of work is. You know, I'm going to do a presentation and I'm going to do a breakout session and this is how much I'm being paid and you're going to buy X amount of my books. And then they get the contract 
because most of the time they're getting it from the organization and they don't realize if there are things they don't like in the contract that they can say, yeah, let's talk about A, B, and C. Like, I'm not okay with this. Can we do blah, blah, blah? Instead, what do you think? This is going to sound horrible. I think some people are so grateful sometimes to have a speaking gig Mm -hmm. that they just want to sign the contract and make it formal and not read it thoroughly and make sure that it is a mutually beneficial contract. So that's an amazing aha to give to people. Negotiation isn't over. (laughs) It's not. No, ask for what you want for because that's the only chance you're going to (laughs) get. Yeah, I love it. You don't get to go back and say, actually, you know what? You seemed really fast to accept that without any money. You seem really fast to accept that like $1,000 speaking fee. Can I actually get paid $2,000? Because that was really what I meant. You only get one chance at, at negotiating. So don't be afraid to, to put it out there. The worst they can do is say, no, <laughs> that's not going to work for us. And I've had so many clients who have said, oh, I'll do for $1,000. And they're like, yes. And then they find out later they paid the keynote speaker like five grand last year. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, maybe then the contract is a good time to bring it back up. Like yeah. I realized <laughs> <laughs> and they might say no. Right. But it's worth asking. So I have one last question for you. Do I need to hire a lawyer to draft my speaking contract? Great question. And I don't think you do. And this is coming from somebody who makes money off of people paying me for my services. I think there's two levels to business, really three. So the first level is you're a brand new baby business owner, you're a brand new speaker, and you don't have any money at all. So you're just trying to go out on the internet and kind of put together this Frankenstein duct tape together contract. And you really, really hope, cross your fingers that you're not going to have a problem, maybe stay up late at night. I sent that out. Should I have sent it out? So that's level one. (laughs) (laughs) The second level of business is if you do have a couple hundred of dollars to invest in your speaking career, I think one of the best places, like I said, a contract, it comes before, in my book, it comes before an LLC, it comes before a website, it comes before everything because you can do things with clients, you can do things with people that are paying you for your speaking You can't do anything with a website that no one's going to. So a contract for me really is one of the beginning points. And if you want something that's at a lower cost, my contract template shop actually does have a speaker template that's crafted for the benefit of speakers with instructions and guidelines about how to approach different organizations and events because I actually do a lot of public speaking. So I have a lot of personal experience as I crafted it. And I also have the insight from my friends who are conference organizers just to keep things fair, but you know, obviously coming at it from an angle of being the public speaker in that template. So you can find that at thecontractshop.com and just search for public speaker or speaker contract, speaker template, any of those will get you there. And then the last thing is if you have gone to a couple of different events, you are making a decent amount of money on public speaking or in your business, but you feel like public speaking will be the key to making even more money with your business because it's a great tool to do that. Mm-hmm then that might be time to hire an attorney to look at your agreements. I love offering our products through the template shop because most of the time people buy that, they take it to their attorney and they have like seriously minor tweaks to be made because the work has already been done. So we're saving people time. They don't have to spend a bunch of time finding an attorney to do this if they just want to use our template. But then also we're saving them a lot of money because attorney hourly rates can range anywhere from $150 to $550. Typically, if you're going with a big firm in New York, expect to pay a lot more than that. But typically that's what you're looking at. And so for a normal contract review, I spend about three or four hours on that. 
and my hourly mm -hmm. rate is 350. So you guys can do the math and figure out that a template is substantially cheaper. And if we're starting with that, that cuts out about two hours of work for me. So anyway, I think it just depends on what level of business you're at. And if you are making literally all of your money on speaking and you've been doing this for a year or two, then it's a great idea to have an attorney look at your contracts at that point. If this is just kind of something that you're doing to supplement your business, it's not something that you do all the time. It's probably not worth putting the money aside to spend on an attorney just yet when there's resources like my templates or like I said, the Frankenstein method works. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how well it works, but it does work to some extent. <laughs> so that's free. So I think it just depends on what level of business you're at. Yeah. And I think there's something for me about when you really are stepping into the role of speaker, you want to have your ducks in a row. Like if you know that you're pursuing speaking more, that it's, you know, going to be one of the drivers of your business or your main business, even if you're just starting out, there's something about saying, I'm going to get my legal stuff taken care of. I'm going to get a speaker contract done now that really empowers you to step into that role of speaker and to go out and pitch and market yourself and do all of the work. So I love that. And so if you are looking for a speaking contract, please go check out Christina. And Christina, you mentioned you had a resource for us. So tell us where we can find that and where you hang out online. <laughs> Sure. I'd be happy to. So I have put together this resource for you guys. It is the 10 things to put into your speaker contract, or actually the official titles, the 10 things your speaker contract needs to have. Plus the one magic phrase that I've used to take my gigs from free to paid. And you guys can mm. find that at bit.ly forward slash speaker checklist. And that's all caps. You can also just go to thecontractshop.com and search speaker checklist and you will find our blog post on that and you won't have to do much digging if you can't remember the bit.ly link, which is just bit.ly forward slash speaker checklist, all caps. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Christina, for laying down the law, quite <laughs> literally. I know that this is a helpful interview for speakers because they've had so many questions about it and I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you so much for listening to the Rebel Speaker Podcast. If you're loving this show, please rate and review it on iTunes. It is the best way for speakers like you to find out about us. And you can learn more about Communication Rebels coaching and consulting services that help business owners and speakers make a bigger impact with their message while building a speaking business on their own terms at drmichellemazur.com.